Welcome to the College Scoops podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we are talking with Harlan Cohen, the New York Times bestselling author of The Naked Roommate and The Naked Roommate for Parents Only. Discomfort is just, is it's part of that. It's part of the package. There's no part of the website that says, you know, welcome to uncomfortable you. This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members, free eBooks, and even a College Scoops care package. Harlan Cohen is the New York Times bestselling author of the Naked Roommate series and six other titles. His books have over 1 million copies in print in multiple languages. Harlan is a speaker who helps thousands of students, parents, educators, and professionals every year. He's also the founder and editor-in-chief of Before College TV. Harlan lives in Chicago, Illinois with his wife and three children. Welcome to the College Scoops podcast, Harlan. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm exhausted because I've been watching your Before College TV clips, your YouTube clips. I've been reading your book. Is it okay to give this to my husband with notes, sticky notes, and you know, circles on what he should pay attention to? Gosh, it's a risky, it's a risky way to do it. You know, it depends on the husband. Depends what time of day. Depends what happened. Depends on the conversation before handing over the book. Okay, I'll take no and I'll let you know. I could even do a little YouTube clip and you can send it your way. Right, right. Well, I'd love to see that. Well, thank you because I've really enjoyed reading your book and I just ordered your one that we'll talk about in a little bit, the Win and Learn book. And I have two kids in college and one who's a high school senior. So I truly enjoy listening, reading, and learning all about you because you're an expert on teens, parenting, college. Um, You're an author, a speaker, entrepreneur, dad, husband. What don't you do? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out. We had some tile work done and I couldn't figure it out. We had to get someone, like no joke, the shower is crazy because the shower is kind of old and they couldn't fix the faucet, the, the, like the, it was, it was a whole thing. And, um, I just wish I knew how to do that. Like I have such, I see that and they do such beautiful work. I'm like, God, I want, gosh, I want to do that. <laughs> I'm serious. It's like, it's so cool. You could do a book on our podcast on teaching dads and husbands how to be handy around the house. I would buy that. I'll yeah. Order. Cause you, but you have to want to, like you have to want to with anything you have to want to. Cause I got three kids and you know, if they don't want to do something, then it's, you know, it's not going to work. Um, so like I, but I want to be handy, you know, I'm just not great the first time. 
I'm good usually like the second or third, but there's a little bit of a learning curve. So those, those are things that I'm excited to do. Well, I love how you um, also have on your LinkedIn, you, you love to help people or that's on your website. And I love yeah. that you're all about helping people. And, and I don't believe that you are afraid of public speaking because you're a natural in everything that I've seen and listened to. So I don't think that that's a, you shouldn't worry about that anymore. You are very kind. You're very kind. You know, I get really nervous. I, I get really, I get super nervous when I do events beforehand. I mean, I, I once I get into it, I'm good. But I, you know, I, I still have this fear of being judged, and I always want people to be happy when I share something of value. And I've learned that no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to make everybody happy. And and not everybody's going to respond and react the way I want. And I've got rules and you know, I do a lot of things to help make it so it's okay for me to share and to be okay with anyone's reaction. But it still, it still makes me nervous. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but um, it's still something that's always there. I, I'm glad to hear that you're, you still get nervous because it doesn't come across that way, but you're normal then. You're human. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I get nervous a lot. And um, it's just, you know, doing things to make it okay. Um, because like, what am I really nervous about? What do we get nervous about? You know, what other people are going to think and how other people are going to respond. And um, the more I work on me being okay with whatever happens next, you know, really giving the world permission to be the way it is, knowing that everything's going to be okay, uh, the easier it is to offer, even if I'm nervous, and be okay with what happens next. That's a good mentality to have because I think that takes all the pressure off of it and it makes it fun, which comes across. Yeah. And it's like, you know, even connected to colleges and, and just uh, parenting and, you know, we have these very rigid expectations and, and uh, we have a, a framework of what success and, and what we want our experience to be and what, what we want our, our children's experiences to be. Um, but understanding that uh, they're going to be okay. Like they're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And uh, I really believe that even during a time where it's COVID and there's a lot of changes, um, you know, things are going to happen and the, I can't control those things. But overall, uh, there's enough that I can control to know that, that I'll be okay. We'll be okay. Right. Even when bad things happen, we're going to be okay. So this becomes, I know this isn't necessarily like college scoops, but it's like, if, if you recognize that, then this whole college thing becomes a piece of cake, you know? I think that's the one thing that's coming out of the pandemic is that the bar now is low. Judgment is gone. Grace is given. And um, the big things that you used to, or I used to worry about, I now say, don't sweat the small stuff. It truly, I don't sweat even the, some of the stuff that was considered big and that I was bothered about before. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, it's, uh, I have a wonderful therapist who, who I really love talking to and, uh, you know, so much of, of therapy is catastrophizing and thinking the worst. And it's really interesting to see, you know, close to the worst in many ways. And then to see that, you know, people adapt, we survive, um, you know, there's a lot of devastation and, and a lot of pain and, and, you know, I, I, I see that and feel that. But I also trust that beyond that pain, people are going to find something. They're going to find light. They're going to find joy. Um, they're going to be okay. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that with everything that happens and 
I always say, and I think you, you will talk about this in your book in terms of when you hit a failure or you have a big disappointment, as long as you learn from it and you take something away from it, then it's not a failure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what this process is. And, and I wish that education was set up less about the outcome and more about the process of, of going through the experiment, the experience of, of asking ourselves the questions, what do we want and how can we go after those things we want and how can we align with people who are living the lives we want and how can we know we're worthy and deserving of the things that we want and desire simply because we were born and we exist and we can find ways to be able to get that and uh, experience that. And that's, I mean, that's really what I, I love to teach people to do. And it's something that I, you know, schools are trying to do more of that with the social and emotional learning piece, but through the college search component, that's really where my philosophy is grounded. And, you know, how can you go after what you want and have that be a joyful experience? Then how did you become so interested and focused and an expert in this field in terms of with college admissions. Yeah. I mean, the college thing is really just the first major big transition that we deal with when we go from teen to adult. I mean, it's, it's really part of our culture. So looking at that piece and recognizing that we're dealing with, you know, new environments, new relationships, new independence, uh, new choices that we have to make independent of the people who are usually at home when we get there. You know, if you're going to school and moving out, all those things, all the new factors are things that we experience when we go to college. And I went to college and uh, it was awful. It was horrible. It was a terrible experience. I don't know if your kids had good experiences or if that first year was a little bumpy. You know, how was that for them? You know what? They went through ups and downs. And I said, don't worry, there's going to be more of those. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, and that's a great, that's a great answer because it is that, but I didn't know that college could be so uncomfortable and my roommate wasn't my best friend. And uh, I, I didn't know how to find other friends. I got rejected by fraternities and uh, my girlfriend, which was a miracle that I had one at the time. Cause I never, I couldn't understand why anyone would love me because this girl was so popular and pretty and liked me. It was weird. And um, when I went to college, she dumped me eventually. And it was, it was, it was the right choice. Her dad compared our relationship to a dying puppy and said it was time to shoot the puppy and and she ended it and she was a year younger. So anyway, anyway, everything was really hard. And and then I transferred and it was still hard. And I'm someone who, you know, people are listening, if not, not watching this, you know, I'm a Caucasian male, I'm a white male. So, you know, everything's supposed to be easy. And it was very hard for me. And I felt a tremendous amount of shame because I couldn't find what so many other people seem to have found. And uh, it was awful. And I I really didn't understand that. So my advice column and my journey in college became really this this, uh, experiment in trying to understand what other people are feeling and experiencing. And I was able to see that, you know, most people were dealing with tough stuff. It's just no one ever talked about it. And this was before Facebook. I mean, I'll date myself. I mean, like I I couldn't even see all the people having such a great time 24 seven. Like I only saw with my eyes. So I can only imagine what that would be like now for a student who's experiencing discomfort and constantly seeing on their newsfeed, everybody happier than them. Um, No wonder why our college students are more uh, depressed and, and hopeless than ever before, because 
you know, I don't think there's enough people reminding them that uncomfortable is normal and here's how you can get through it. So that was the journey. And then it was just writing books, researching, wanting to help people to be able to navigate all of these normal, natural struggles. And, and then I was able to discover a framework to do that. And then, um, you know, it's, it's just a constant journey to continue to find out more ways to help people get comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's what the Naked Roommate's about. It's what the new book's about. You know what? I can totally date myself as well because when I went to school, I had Sunday at seven to call home. And it was the one telephone that everyone shared on the hallway and that you had to wait in line for. And that was how I kept in touch with my parents. And you're absolutely right. If I had to constantly look at Instagram, Snapchat, uh, TikTok to see what kids are dealing with right now, the pressure on that is unbelievable. I mean, I too found it very hard at, at school and I too, oh, well, I got dumb too. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and I, I'll never forget it. And I, I think that's one of the things. And one of the things that I read in your book, I mean, there were so many, so many parts in here that I really enjoyed reading. I had visions of myself, my family. I was the oldest of four and my parents were thrilled. My family was thrilled that I was going to college and couldn't wait to drop me off. And the one quote in your book or the story was about somebody who had driven in in the dorm, there was a red van and there was a, a quote on the back of the van saying, precious peanut is moving to MSU. Yeah. And I remember my family driving in to the college campus entrance and all the students were out waving and I was mortified. I mean, I slid down in that back seat as my siblings knew how embarrassed I was and continued to make fun of me the whole way through when they dumped me off at the dorm. And I sat there and I thought, when I dropped my son off, my husband and I, I made sure I said to my husband, make sure you don't do anything that embarrasses him. He's like, well, what would that be? I'm like, everything. Right. It's an impossible request. That was setting us up for failure. But I think that, you know, you hear so much has changed. And I, I love the other, something else you talk a lot about, like changing your grip. You know, how can parents support students now because of the pressures as you've just describe that they have on themselves, but how then can we as parents support our students and help them going forward? Yeah. What are some of the tips that you have? Yeah. So I do, I do a whole program on supporting parents and I've got five simple rules and, and the rules are really a reflection of so many of the different experts and professionals and student affairs, uh, people who have shared wisdom over the years. And uh, I'll, I'll rattle rattle them off real quickly. Um, the first is get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And it's this idea that uh, being a parent's really hard and it's always changing. And I know you've got three, I've got three, each one has different situations, different days. And, you know, one is not the same. And yeah. it's, it's just every day is the question of like, what's it going to be today? Uh, it's uncomfortable. I got a daughter who's 14 and, you know, sometimes she'll let me in her room. Like she rejects me all the time. And it's not because I'm, I'm unkind. It's just 14 year olds reject their parents. And that's the universal truth, the universal rejection truth, which I talk a lot about, but getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is grounded in this uh, universal truth that says not everyone and everything's going to always respond to me the, the way I want. The universal rejection truth is, is what I call it. And the universal rejection truth is that uh, the world that we live in isn't always going to respond exactly the way we want. I've mentioned that a few times, but really acknowledging this as a law 
and living our lives by that law. Even, um, you know, we had Hanukkah and my wife and I really worked hard to you know, make, make the night special. And one of my kids was not thrilled with the gift. And, you know, my kids are really grateful and, you know, they, they really, you know, they really do appreciate it. But even when you're grateful, sometimes you get a gift that you just don't love. Right. And we really, you know, my wife was a little upset just because she really wants everybody to be happy. But then later she said, it's the universal rejection truth of Hanukkah. It's the universal rejection truth of giving gifts. And the universal rejection truth of giving gifts is not everybody's going to always love your gifts. You know, and it's like, what are you going to do? Get mad that you don't like my gift? Or it's like people feel the way they feel. So anyway, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is so, is so important in every aspect. But a parent who can get comfortable with the uncomfortable can give their child room to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Because a parent who isn't good with uncomfortable will really have big feelings and responses when a kid is uncomfortable, especially if it's something that the parent isn't that wonderful addressing or doesn't want to address, you know, because mm-hmm. we all bring our own stuff. Uh, to this whole relationship. The second rule is, um, oh, don't panic. Think people, places, and patience. And it's, it's always, who are your people? Where are your places? And how long will it take to get where you want to go? Uh, whenever we are in a new situation and we want something and we're uncomfortable, uh, think people, places, and patience. A child isn't getting the grades they want when they're struggling. You know, people, places, and patience. You know, when your child, you're saying, you know, your kids had a bumpy transition. I, mean, I think that that's a really normal, honest assessment, but then it's always people, places, and patience. You know, the reason college and change is uncomfortable is because we don't have our people, we don't have our places, right. and we struggle. COVID's been uncomfortable because we lost our people, we lost our places, and we got uncomfortable. I mean, it really all links together. So for a parent who really can be intentional, who are my people, where are my places, how long will it take to get where I want to go? Uh, the third rule is their struggles belong to them, but their victories belong to you. And it's, you know, not really, they belong to you. But it's just this idea that struggle is part of this. And if we don't let our kids struggle down the hall, when they struggle across the country, it's going to be really scary. Uh, then there's the 24-hour rule for every problem, give it 24 hours, which is really key. We give it 24 hours, they give it 24 hours. Patience is something that's scarce nowadays. And uh, people don't know how to wait. So the 24-hour rules are really wonderful. You know, when it's a rock, when it's a rule, then you can reference it and say, hey, you know what? We're going to use a 24-hour rule. And for kids, like, I need the answer now, 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 because so many kids want it now, 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 24-hour rule. And the last rule is when they have a question or there's a problem, ask them, what do you think you should do? And then really give them time to answer, even though we may know the answer. And then uh, once they finish sharing, it's asking them the question, do you want uh, advice or do you just want someone to listen to you and and just those those pieces then you know it shows respect it sets a boundary and it says i'm going to give you permission to work through this and those rules are wonderful because it allows us as parents to give our kids the room to work through the discomfort which is so painful so painful to watch i mean it's i could speak very easily about it but you know my kids are in pain it's the worst it's so hard as a parent to watch it and to want to step in and quote unquote fix it, but that fix is not a fix. And that's what I think. And I also think that it's okay to make mistakes that you can, simple mistakes that are recoverable. I always say, I want you to make mistakes, but I want them to be recoverable. I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, I think most mistakes, I mean, I guess if it's like bodily injury or, you know, things that are like, you know, the, the, I was just, I was imagining, you know, what are the ones that aren't, aren't recoverable from you know it's almost like everything 
everything would be. I would say like, yeah, sure. You're going to go and drink and you're going to get drunk one time, but make sure that you have people around you. Yeah. Make sure that you have a buddy system. Make sure that you know who to call or what to do when things get out of control. I mean, those are some of the things that I think are setting the framework to fail within a safe kind of yeah. environment. Yeah. I, I call it, don't be, I call it be smart about, be smart about being stupid. Don't be so stupid you accidentally die or somebody else does or you kill someone. I mean, it's kind of, I'm saying it like very blunt. I mean, these are like horrible things, but it's like, be smart about being stupid because you're going to be stupid. Yeah. There's no doubt about it because that's what being a kid is. Well, like, that's what being an adult is too, right? <laughs> is that what you're going to say? Well, I think like you got to take some risk. I right. mean, part of it is, you know, what will you learn? How, how will you grow unless you, you, you do that? But having said that, Harlan, as a parent now, it's very easy to say. It's very hard to watch. It's so it's so hard to watch. And, you know, I, I struggle with that. But again, having rules and a framework makes it easier to allow a kid to have a tantrum. You know, I, got a, I have a seven-year-old, I have a 12-year-old, I have a 14-year-old. It's like when my seven-year-old's having his tantrum now, I'm like, when you're done with the tantrum, just let me know. You know, right. it's like, right. you you know, let's talk about it then, as opposed to like trying to stop it or it will pass. Exactly. And, um, and he'll get through it. But uh, yes, being a parent is, is very uncomfortable. And I think it's also really important for us to have our people and for us to have our places and for us to be able to be patient. And that's just the self-care, which is something that I've been working really hard on to be an example, um, but also to be able to manage everything that's coming at me and, uh, and, and my family is if I'm not grounded and, and comfortable with the uncomfortable and doing things on a regular basis, I'm not going to be responsive in a way that's going to help the people I love the most. And I think that those rules though go back and they're the same for the parent. Absolutely. That's the beauty of it. Because I remember when my son first went off to school, I said, there's three things I want you to do. Study and do your homework. This is a significant financial investment. We're sacrificing a lot for you to go. I want you to take it seriously. Two, I'd like you to get engaged. And you talk about this. I have read the whole chapter about when I was saying, get involved. Now, I didn't say get involved in 10 different activities. Right. I said, I don't care what it is. It could be the squirrel club, but just do one thing. And then the third thing was get a job because I know for him, time management is important and that would have helped him solidify. And I said, oh, by the way, get it done by Thanksgiving or you're not going back. <laughs> wow. I like that. Wow. Did he get it done? He did. Wow. That's yeah. great. Where did he work? He worked in the kitchen and, and they, at University of Richmond, they have the uh, a cellar and he worked as the, he got the glamorous job of working as a, at the fry machine. At the fry. I was imagining, it's funny. I was thinking he's like working the fryer, but if you're working the fryer, um, I mean, that's magic. You could really go far with that because people love fried things. Well, not only that, but this is somebody who realized that was the highest paying job on campus. Uh. And for him, no one wants it because what happens, you know, Oh, my acne is bad. Well, you're working at the fryer. Ah, um, so, but it, it was one of those things where he said, "I." He worked in. He's worked for for many years, and he's always worked in a kitchen, and he knows how hard it is. So that was one of the things that he did. And you know, but it's interesting, as you said, each kid is different too. I have a, a junior who's at college; they're one year apart, and you have the same discussions, but you also know what they're both strengths and where they need to develop. So you have yep. managing that aspect as well. And I, a couple other things when you were talking about some of the things 
as a new parent, because I mentioned we have a third that's getting ready to go and my husband and he are very close. And I wanted to make sure, and I think he struck, my husband is thinking, oh, this is the last, I'm going to be an empty nester. And I don't know if I like that. And mm. so I said, you know, I need you again to read a couple of these highlighted sections in this book yeah. because your, your son will appreciate that when you come to visit. Yeah. Is there something, is there something from the book that I mentioned? This is the, the Naked Remade for Parents book. For parents. Right. Yeah. Is there something that, that you felt would resonate with him that maybe other parents or uh, fathers could be able to draw some wisdom from? Yes. Don't visit without letting them know. Uh, and I, I tell this story to my kids that I had a call in time. My parents agreed all, they didn't need to, to hear from me every day. They just right. wanted Sunday at seven and I missed the Sunday at seven. So my dad, I only went to school a half an hour away from home, but it could have been states away. You know, that's how I kind of treated that whole thing. And my dad came up on that Sunday night at nine with my younger sister and tried to find me at the library where I was supposed to be. But instead I was at the nursing building, which was right next door because the library was too much of a social scene on Sunday nights. Mm. Well, my roommates found me because they never knew that the sound system in the library worked and it had never been tested, but my dad did have it tested that night. Oh, gosh. I announced, where's Moiram Conway? Can you please come to the circulation? Desk? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's, that's, that's hilarious. And they found me and my dad thought I was lying and I was out and I was partying or whatever. And there it was. I was in the nursing you know, building. And to this day, my roommates will laugh and say, remember when Mr. Conway came to campus to find you? Oh, that's great. I said there's to my husband, I said, you know, you may want to visit, but you have to ask them. When's a good time that dad could come down and visit you? Um, I also think the whole roommate situation, we've had a lot of discussions with our kids who they went for random roommates. And I had also done that. Um, and I thought that was important. So I thought some of these parent tips as a new parent were helpful. And even as someone like ourselves going through it the third time, reminders. Yeah, that's nice. I think that uh, that relationship with parents, I mean, the friendship relationship is, is, is really something that a lot of parents struggle with. And um, I don't know if I put it this way in the book, but um, the idea is, you know, our kids need to have people in their corner. You know, they need to have people in their corner who they can turn to. So, you know, of course we could be in their corner, but then the, if they're living in a residential situation, maybe it's the, the RA, the resident assistant, or it's their academic advisor, or it's a spiritual leader, or it's somebody who is in their corner. And what's really interesting is for parents, it's really essential that in that first year, uh, we have people in our corner but our kids uh, can't be one of those people. Right. And I think a lot of parents who have friendships with their kids as they get older, those kids are really in their corner. I think about, you know, who are my best friends? And it's a really wonderful thing. And it could be a best friend, father, son, mother, daughter, mother, son relationship. But that idea that the parents need to have people in their corner and that not until that child graduates, you know, that's that student, it's really not fair to have them be someone who's in your corner. You know, they, they can be someone who can help once in a while. And we see that as a big, it's a big issue, especially when it comes to 
equity and um, students who come from first generation families where they have a lot of responsibilities where you know they really are in the in the corner of the family um, but then when there are other situations where it's more of like their emotional corner when there's a really great friendship between the two so um yeah. for those for those fathers and and moms it's you know you got to find your people and you have to have something that excites you i think especially with the empty nesting parents it's what do you have that gets you excited that you can really look forward to beyond uh, all of the wonderful activities that were part of your life when your child was in high school. Absolutely. And I think that's hard too, as, as parents, like you, I may have one way of dealing with that. My husband may have another, but I think that constant communication is very important. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see. And, and then just how that relationship evolves when, when the kids aren't there and and how to and how to manage all of those. I think there's just there's just so many pieces, and that's again where the rules are really helpful. And I think the 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 naked roommate for parents is really helpful. Um, for the student, the naked roommate book is helpful. That was the first book when we moved my son in, my oldest. I hadn't heard of it then many years ago, and all of a sudden I saw that book in his room when we were moving him in, and I thought, what is that book about? Um, it's very funny. And now that I think it's something that is so helpful um, to students. And I think what you're doing, you have a gift because you have so many people that like to talk to you. People just seem to open up. We can't get our own kids to talk to us. So how do you get them to? Yeah, well, that's the secret. I'm not trying to get my kid to talk to me because remember the universal rejection truth. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and um, turn that truth around. You know, when it, when it comes to talking to students, I mean, the rejection piece really is something that is disarming. The idea that that I can talk about being rejected and I can talk about being imperfect and I can talk about the things that make me me, it changes the relationship. It also changes it changes the power structure of a conversation. You know, it's really interesting because I work with a lot of I work with middle school students. I work with high school students. And uh, one of the things I do when I whenever I start an event is I tell them I'm just I'm really excited to be here. I'm great at rejection. You know, I get rejected every day. I was probably rejected in th that morning with my kids. You know, I'm married. I've been married for like 17 years. I get rejected a lot. Um, <laughs> so if you want to listen to what I'm saying, great. You know, I'm really excited to share it with you. And if, if you're not in a place to receive it, you know, okay, that's great too. I mean, I'm going to offer it and share it. And if you want it, great. And if not, like I get it. Um, but all I want to do is help you. And I think that that, that approach of, you know, I come here just wanting to help and, and, I'm, and I'm really imperfect and I'm always learning um, and I'm your biggest fan. Like, I want you to be so successful. Like, it's crazy how much I want other people to be successful. It makes me so happy. I, I think that all of a sudden, all the um, barriers that are up there that people put up, they come down and it's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a normal person. I saw one of the speaking engagements that you were at and um, you asked a student, what do you need for a particular project? And it was a martial arts. And he, you said something, you called him out and the, the young student wasn't able to articulate what he wanted. He's like, no, tell me. And right. you had this whole audience and the whole event saying, what do you need? And people raising their hand and engaging. Yeah. And I think being one on the same, on the same playing field, I think it makes people feel like, okay, I can participate and, and help you. Like, if you want to help me, why don't I want to help you then? Right. I think it's a nice dynamic that makes it safe and easy to just let your guard down and, and just be one with everyone else, which is, you know, we're all working really hard to try and figure this out, whether we're the parent or we're the student. 
And the, the biggest challenge is, can you share what you want and let other people know what you want and what you need? And that's really where I've been kind of transitioning and focusing on is really getting to that, like just that core of like, what do you want? You know, what do you want to change? What do you want to create? What do you want to experience? And can you let people know that? So is that part of the college TV program that you're, you were talking about beforehand earlier? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that's, that's a component of it. So I started this, this channel before college TV and the idea is I want to highlight people who are living the lives that students want to live. And I want to talk to experts and influencers who are experiencing what students want to experience. You know, people who have faced the adversity and been able to find a path to get to that place. Um, then narrowing in on the college piece. And what I do is I talk to students from colleges all over the country. And I do these long form panel discussions where we talk for maybe an hour and a half. And then I take those long form videos and break them down into small bite-sized pieces uh, that can talk about, that can really speak to how people got in to where they got in. I've got this one student from, uh, one student I interviewed who goes to, to Stanford, who talked about how he, he didn't think he would get in. He got rejected from all these other schools, like really great schools, but he got into Stanford. Like it's nuts. It was wild. And he was laughing about it. And then another student who's at MIT, who, who you know, a female student who was just talking about her, her challenges and her struggles. And it's just been amazing to show all these students. Um, I'm now working with a lot of first generation underrepresented populations through, you know, different college access programs, but highlighting those students' journeys. A DACA student who, uh, was very bold and, and shared that he wasn't documented, uh, but then also talked about how he was able to get financial aid through his state, the state financial aid program. He couldn't get federal aid, but he was able to get uh, aid through WAFSA through the state. So the idea is anybody anywhere around the world, if you wanna go to college, if you have a dream, I wanna show you students who have been there and done it so that you can understand their stories so that you can get to where you wanna go. And that speaks to that bigger piece of, what do you want? You know, what do you want? Whether it's a seventh grader who wants to leave their neighborhood, uh, a 12th grader who wants a date, uh, a recent grad who wants a job, somebody who's in a relationship and wants it to be better, someone who wants to support their child in, in some form or fashion, someone who's dealing with a transformative time because of COVID. It's like, what do you want? And when we share what we want, and we think people, places, and patience, and we continue to align ourselves with those who have gotten what we want, who aren't threatened by our success, um, like magic happens. So if students want to, can they re reach out to you if you, they wanted to share their story? I mean, right now it's been more of hosting these very specific conversations that really go through some of the major transition pivot points that students struggle with and then taking those but you know I, I i mean i see it growing over the years i mean the title of the project so there's before college tv then this thing where i interview students i call it the one of your people project and the one of your people project is just basically helping people to see that there's someone in your corner like you don't you don't even need to know these people they're just so nice all they want to do is help you and the world is filled with very kind people who want to help you but you have to say what you want and the fear is if you want something and someone doesn't agree with it or doesn't 
want to give it to you. Well, then you, you, know, you get rejected and it's painful and uncomfortable and you beat yourself up and you feel shame and you stop wanting and then it's what everybody else wants or you become a, a, you know, a, a victim and everybody else is the villain. But uh, it doesn't have to be that way. And that's, so, there's, so, there's the, so I'm doing these, these, these videos and creating these wonderful, it's a body of evidence that says, listen, you are so supported. And in fact, here's how you can find support. And you know, when people check out those videos, they could reach out to the people on Instagram they see. They can find them on their social media. Uh, these students want to continue to help. So I'm excited to do that. But then the overall, the arc of everything I do is this, this newest book, the Winner Learn book, which, which really takes the framework, the principles, and the foundation of how can you be great at navigating life and acquire these life skills to clear away all the obstacles and know you're going to be okay. You know, how can you truly be free to ask the question, what do I want? What do I want to create? What do I want to experience and go after it? And that's what, that's what the newest book does. And I don't think there's an age limit on it. Is there? Because I think no. it doesn't matter where you are in your life. Absolutely. I mean, it's really depending on when you know, someone listens to this. I mean, to start off, 2021 after the year we've had i mean really you are more free than ever before to answer the question what do you want um, the rules have changed what we thought was going to happen and what we thought might be an easy path there, there is no such thing so if you're going to live a life that's going to be challenging and full of lots of hard work why not live that life based on something you want as opposed to what other people want or what you think you should want. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just excited for it. I think that's very exciting because I think that um, it was at some point where I was so afraid of doing things where I finally sat back and I said, it's freeing to not be afraid anymore, to just take risks. And people will not be happy. People will complain. You will fail, but guess what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Being nervous and being afraid takes a lot of energy. It's emotionally and physically exhausting. Yeah, it's so, a lot of it's a lot of wasted energy, and and you know, circling back to that whole piece of if you're great at rejection, and being great doesn't mean you're going to get rejected all the time. It means if you're great at tolerating the possibility of people not giving you what you want, well, then so much of the fear is gone. Because you now can focus on being aligned with what's really important uh, when it comes to offering. And you naturally just gravitate towards those people and the places where you can continue to do the things that really matter. And uh, it, it can start from an early age. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's the joy of working with students who are so young. It's also the joy of working with, with parents and, and adults and and parents who take care of parents. It's like the, the, the framework of the winner learn book is just something that anybody can apply and it creates light. I like that. And I couldn't agree more. There are so many people out there knowing that it's okay to ask. I think that's the hardest thing. Once you make that ask, there's a whole lot of people that will line up to help you. It's, it's astounding when you put your dreams out there. I mean, it's, it's scary, but when you do, even if the majority of people don't agree with your dreams, there's, there's somebody who says, oh, I know someone or someone who says, oh, I've got an idea and it makes it worth it. But it's just so scary to get through all of the people who don't like our post or don't respond 
or don't answer us. But the shift is I don't require anyone or anything to do one thing or another. My only responsibility is for me to offer and to share and trust that something will happen. And it, it, something will happen. Either what I want will happen or something else. And if it's not what I want, well, then I'm going to learn something along the way. But I need to be supported. I need to have my foundation. I need to have my people in places so that I can be patient as I work through the process. And, and that's you know, what college teaches students who are present and surrender to the world around them. And for parents who can abandon their requirements of what their kids are supposed to do and where they're supposed to go, well, I can tell you the one piece of advice for parents is your kids are going to be great. They're going to be amazing because they're your kids. They're going to be great. They're going to get there and they're going to get there their way. And it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And you're the best parent in the world. I love that. We've worked so hard and we've all the hard work that we've done. Why, why take away? And I always say to my kids, I love you. You're going to make mistakes. And I'm really sad that you're leaving, but I'm so excited for your next adventure and call me to make sure I'm home when you come back. It's a, it's a fun adventure. And uh, parents can tell whatever story they want. You know, it's a story of doom and gloom, a story of fear and scarcity, or a story of, of hope and, and happiness and light with a, with a sprinkle of reality and an understanding that, you know, I'm here in your corner when, when you need us, but just do something, you know, do right. something and great things will happen. So for the 20, class of 2021 that you just alluded to, I even think that's the bit of advice, the takeaway, you know, for this class that has had a particularly challenging time. I mean, that, that class, I mean, they've seen that life is unpredictable and what we expect and, and, and what we're used to may not be something that is going to be in front of us. So more than anything, live a life based on choices that really align with things that give you joy. You know, there's going to be you know, there's students who just got through this. So then I, I hope there's a large number of them who have learned how to create joy. You know, we have a joy factory and this joy factory is something that we are in charge of. And for so many years, we've relied on other people to create the joy for us, to invite us, to include us, to want us. But COVID has taken that expectation of other people and other things creating joy away. And what it's forced us to do over the past year is to look in the mirror and say, what is it that I could create experience or change that gives me joy? And that lesson of finding joy, finding some pleasure, finding something where I can source that joy and be able to take that with me in the future, like that's gold. Like that's, that's gold. So what is it that you want to experience that gives you a sense of joy? When you go to college, let's just say you don't connect exactly the way you want. Let's just say it's hard to find the engagement that you're used to having in high school. What is it that you can do that can give you joy in this particular place that could align with something that excites you? Like, that's it. And then all the other stuff becomes just a wonderful addition because you're going to a place and you're putting yourself in an environment around people that can help you to find joy. And, and, and the joy can be doing something outdoors, being active. Like if you're a kid who really likes to be outdoors, then you could go to school in a place where it snows 
if like if it's like if you like snow sports and that and hiking and you know what it could be covid it could be bad you can still go outside you yes. can still find people to do wonderful things with and you can find your joy now it's like if you're at a place where you're around a lot of high achievers and you're doing that well you're going to hang out with the high achievers and they're going to invite you to do things or you're going to be inspired to come up with a project or i mean it's like you look at I mean, of course, Harvard is Harvard, but you look at Facebook and it's like, you know, who does Mark Zuckerberg start a company with? Who does anybody start a company with? You know, who invites, when someone starts a company and they need someone to be their CFO or they need somebody to be head of sales or whatever, who do they invite? They invite that person they hung out with who they know. It's like, that, that's where it starts, is building those meaningful relationships where you can connect from a place of joy and, and trust that, you know, if you go to a school uh, where where you can do something that gives you value and you do it with your heart and soul, you're going to find other people who are like-minded. I'm going to play that over and over for my son. I think it's such a healthy way to look at it and to embrace it and to head off to any new adventure, whatever it is. Oh, and here's the other part. If you don't like it after a year, you, know, cause you should try to give it at least a year, go somewhere else. Like that's the other thing. It's like, it's temporary. Let's make it an experiment. Like, I mean, this freaks parents out. The idea of make your first year in college an experiment. See how it feels, but actually do it with all of your, you know, with all your heart and soul. Don't do it like I'm leaving. Do it like, you know, I'm going to make this the best experience I can. And I'm going to give myself a year to see how it feels. And if it still, feel, still feels good, then I'll stay here. And, but you can't be in your room. You right. can't, you know, isolate yourself. You have to find your, you have to find your three places. You got it like what you're saying. You got to work. You got to go to class, uh, that club or activity or organization, and then see how it feels in a year. And if you don't like it, then leave. So many students transfer. This isn't the rest of your life. Now there's, not, there's like less pressure. Right. Well, that's it. I think all of a sudden then everything goes away. And, and even from a parent's point of view, once a parent says that, they've taken away the stigma of it. And it's like, okay, it's so freeing. And it's like, why not? Because if we have this expectation that you're going to go here and graduate from here, then you're going to have this, this, and this. Well, then when something goes wrong, it's going to be really hard to be open and to be present and listen because your expectations will have shifted and, and it will be too uncomfortable. But this idea of an experiment, I mean, I talk to students who graduate from college. I'm like, okay, you know, like your first job, it's a one-year experiment. It's a one-year experiment. Like, who can, like, just do something that's interesting to you. And if that feels good, then keep doing it. If not, do something else. And you will learn. And the most important thing is do it around people who give you a sense of joy. You know, do it around people that you can learn from and uh, people who are kind and, and open. Because if you do it around kind and open, it's great. If it's so competitive and everybody is trying to beat everybody else out, like, there's no joy in that. No. And that's what we see. So many high achieving students who go to highly selective schools, who are recruited by highly, uh, highly desired companies. You know, they open their eyes five, 10 years down the line and they say, you know, I don't even want this. This doesn't feel good. Uh, but there's a way to do both, I believe. You can do it at a highly selective school as well, but it's just being intentional. But we don't, we don't learn these life skills. It's all about getting to the next place, being the best so we could live the best life. And we're smart enough to know that, that that doesn't always pan out that way. And I think you also said it in terms of you have this finite opportunity and I'm going to go to the access. Not everyone in this world has an opportunity to continue their higher education. 
you have this opportunity. Embrace it and enjoy the moment. And as you said, you know, if things don't work out, you you put your time in, you try to make it work, you got engaged, you you spend a year there. If you want to leave, leave. But most people then might stay. Most stay. And then if they do leave, they leave not because they're running away from a problem and and leaving discomfort. What they're doing is they're going to another environment where they can actually pursue what they want. Right. So it's a big difference. And that year of discovery is really me exploring what is it that I want? And if I can't get it here or I discover that what I thought I wanted is something I can no longer get here, then I can get it somewhere else. And you know, maybe someone changes their major. Maybe they realize that they're in a part of a part of the country that doesn't align with uh, their their health and spirit and they need to be in a different place. Like, you know, if that's what it is, then great. You figured it out. Just keep moving forward. I like that. No wonder why you get all the college kids to talk to you, Harlan. It's it's just it's it's a great adventure. Everybody's everybody's so worried, and uh, they they just they just need to be reassured that it's going to be okay. And and for those students who don't have access, for the underrepresented students who are really fighting through this, you know, for them it's you just find somebody who was able to get there. You find somebody who's in the place you want to go, mm-hmm. and you talk to those people knowing you're worthy and deserving of whatever experience you want, and those people will be there for you. Absolutely. And I think that's another really um, important point is always to find somebody yeah. on college campus um, who you can reach out to and, and ask for help. What do you wish you knew before you attended college? Yeah, I just wish that I knew that discomfort is just, is it's part of that. It's part of the package. There's no part of the website that says, you know, welcome to uncomfortable you. It's mm-hmm. like, that is just <laughs> part of it. And if you're uncomfortable and you feel it, it means you care. It means it's, it's good. Uh, there's no shame in feeling discomfort and uh, focus less on being wanted and more on what you want, and trust that good things will happen. I, I could have used that. Yeah. I think, we, I think we still, the thing that's so interesting about college and just that change, you know, college to me, it's secondary. It's more about the time in our life where we make a lot of these self-discoveries. And I think that given the circumstances we've all been in lately, um, it's another opportunity to really be forced We've we've been forced into uncomfortable, no matter how much or how little or who somebody is or uh, whatever their background is. We've all been sent into a place of discomfort, and when we face discomfort, what do we do? Do we fight it or do we face it and work through it? And yes. This has been another opportunity, and you know, life keeps giving us those. And, and you know what? It's interesting because everyone has had a challenge and it's been really, really hard, some far more than others. And I said um, to my kids, this is an opportunity. We will not have you home like this again, where we ca- you can't have friends over, where we can't have, you know, we can't be going out. So I keep on telling them, they're like, enough with the opportunity. We want 2021. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, I want, I want everything to get to a place where I want people to, to be able to work and be in restaurants and perform and, exactly. um, and all that, the, all that stuff is heartbreaking. The, the equity issues, um, you know, we, we didn't talk much about that and we don't, we don't, we could say that for another time, but that yeah. is heartbreaking. And, um, 
you know, I don't want to make light of all that because when I say everything's going to be okay, there's a tremendous amount of pain between uh, now and okay. Uh, yes. But, mm-hmm. but hope and, and faith and, and certain practices will help us to get to okay because we really don't have a choice. No, we don't. No. So, no. But I want to at least acknowledge that because I have a big heart and uh, think about those issues a lot. But I also try to be very positive and to be a, to be a ray of light. Well, thank you so much. And I have one other question that we always ask our guests. Sure. You've been to so many college campuses, but is there one where you had a particular food spot that you would love to go back to? So I was thinking more of like, I was, I was thinking more of dessert and there were two places. There's one in Cal. Um, I can't remember the name of it, which, you know, it's, it's not fair that I can't remember the name, but it's like this little yogurt place where they, where it's just, there's an outside window and an inside window and it's just on the edge of campus, uh, right, right in Berkeley. And you know, it's, it's legendary. Like people know it and they get, you know, like the blizzard type things and but they've got like all these great flavors of yogurt. It's really good and great toppings. That one is so good. Um, I like that one a lot. That's always fun. And there was, then, and then there's, um, I like going to Texas. Uh, there are certain places in Texas, but this isn't a particular like college hangout, but it's more of whenever I'm in Texas, I'll go to Brahms, B-R-A-U-M-S. And Brahms, has the best ice cream. Like I love their ice cream. It is so good. It's such a treat when I get to go, like sometimes when I'm driving to a campus, cause it's like ice cream. And then it says like, they have like a dairy cabinet and. Brahms. So that's, that's going to go on our Texas list for anyone visiting those colleges. I love, I love Brahms. You're, they're all over. People would know, but it's good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing your story and helping parents and students embrace the moment right now and get comfortable with the uncomfortable and know that they're going to make mistakes, but there's a lot of people out there that are willing to support them and help them along the way. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. And if anyone wants to connect, I'm happy to be in their corner. HarlanCone.com is the website, H-A-R-L-A-N-C-O-H-E-N. And I know you'll have links as well. Yes. Grateful to be here and uh, look forward to continuing the relationship. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan, for joining us today to share your story and to share how we as parents or students can help ourselves and each other. Getting comfortable with the uncomfortable will prep you for life in general. As a student, it is important to know that the transition from middle school to high school and high school to college is not always easy. Everyone is in the same boat, but if you establish a framework with people, places, and patients, you will have a support system to guide you along the way. Don't be afraid of rejection. It makes you stronger and live a life based on choices that align with things that give you joy. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com slash podcast. You can learn more about Harlan at his website at harlancohen.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and his YouTube channel, Before College TV. Please take a couple minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college-related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.